Yeah, we want a revolution. Now, a little different show that we're doing today. This is Laura Headline, and this is the first ever AM950 People Power Hour. And in studio right now is uh, Shay Hansen, Jeff Batola, and joining us later by phone is Julie Morgan. But Shay, you wanted to do this. So why did you want to do a People Power Hour? Well, uh, I guess... Um, Let me go back a little bit. I grew up in a family uh, that really took seriously the idea of repaying the gift of democracy by moving it forward. And uh, so I, you know, I grew up in this awareness and uh, I I was in Mississippi, of course, doing civil rights. My sister was a freedom rider, uh, went to jail for riding a bus in the back because she was white. Um, which is kind of ironic, I think. So, you know, that was there. But um, I got, like a lot of people, got involved in raising children. And um, by the time Trump was elected, I was an empty nester and ready for something and knew that I needed to get back in the fray. So it has been fantastic. Uh, it has enhanced my life so much, all the people that I've met and all that I've, I've, I've been able to be involved in. Um, and uh, I've been studying uh, redistricting and the re- results of redistricting, and um, I really feel like people are not aware that the uh, Supreme Court Commission that did the redistricting lines because the uh, uh, legislature and the governor all could not agree um, – left us with uh, so an opportunity this year to really augment democratic uh, elections. And uh, there's so much now of an echo chamber going on in the media. Um, it's an off-year election. Democrats are going <laughs> to lose, blah, blah, blah. Excuse me, but that's, that is a, a a self-fulfilling prophecy. Of course, people aren't going to come out and vote if they figure there's no point. And besides, it's not even true. That didn't happen under FDR. It didn't happen after, under LBJ. And you may say, well, those were extreme conditions. We're not in extreme conditions, people. Let's just get to work. And so looking at the statistics, uh, I couldn't help but come to the conclusion that uh, the even the uh, flipping the Minnesota Senate um, this year and and achieving a trifecta uh, in this state with both if we can hold the house um, and all that we can do uh, pushing away a lot of Republican obstructionism and the things that we can achieve with that to really show people that it isn't government that's bad, it's corrupt government that's bad, and we just need to assert our democratic rights. I, so, lo- I love so much what you just said. I really do. I mean, it's not government that's bad. Because, I mean, even think about the word politics. Like, ooh, it's politics. It's like it's a negative word, right? But is politics a negative word? No, it's a way that, in my experience has been, it's a way that we come together uh, to uh, really celebrate each other and, um, and find ways to make life better for everybody. Um, it's a great, joyous union, as far as I'm concerned. A joyous union. I love it. Absolutely love it. Okay, Jeff, tell us a little bit about your, 
Yeah, then. that's different. I came along a little later in the in 1962, um, but I came of age after that as a only my uh, as the youngest kid of a only mother. Um, and I remember in junior high school, people were wondering, "How do you know all the answers to this current events quiz that they do at the end of class, like once a week?" And I go, "Well, don't you guys watch the TV news while you're having dinner with your family?" And apparently we did, and that was kind of special, and there's been less and less of that now. Like, I don't even watch the TV news anymore. Um, and so it's gotten really bad that way. But I grew up thinking that, yeah, people had agency. We didn't have powers of family. Um, but I thought if you worked and you got involved, you could have some effect on what was going on. And, and so I worked in government at the state level, federal level. I worked in the Congress as a, as a congressional aide uh, for a year in 2009, and lots of stuff happened, uh, like the de demise of our economy and things like that. And uh, I just saw how bad the uh, Republicans were. They were basically lying and uh, distorting and, and being ruthless and crazy. And I go, I got to go back and get involved locally because the, the local politics is where it really matters a lot. We've seen... 26 states, what is it, that are controlled by Republican trifectas, and they're going backwards to, like, uh, you know, authoritarian land. It's kind of scary. So, like Shay says, we have an opportunity here. We just need people to realize state legislative elections are the most important thing by far that people uh, need to get involved in this year. And then you'll have up-ballot effects if you're really interested in governor. You'll have down-ballot effects uh, for local races. But we really need to help these state legislative candidates in these important uh, flippable races. So, there's so many things I would love to unwind here, but let's go again. Why we're why we're doing this particular hour show? Because I think I think we need real democracy, grassroots democracy from the bottom up. This was your idea. We talked about it. Like, let's just start talking about it because when you talk about what's happened with the authoritarians. That's been a lot of top-down stuff. There's been a lot of money spent to try to move the needle for that authoritarians. And globally, we, we, we need to have people power where we actually step in and activate democracy and feel that on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a real level, have that energy where we can feel that. So do you feel energized right now? Um, absolutely. Uh, I, yeah, I, I feel like the golden ring is right there if we just reach out for it. I guess that um, I feel we have a responsibility um, th that it seems to me that a lot of people don't understand, are, are feeling a little desperate about what's going on in this country right now. They feel their standard of living decreasing. Their children aren't, can't go to school. The housing situation is terrible. Crying. Uh, I, I, and, um, and they... And government doesn't seem to be doing anything about it, and so the the they become susceptible, I think, to a lot of what I think are just con artists who are who are uh, taking advantage of that frustration by uh, directing anger towards scapegoats, towards you know the problem is minorities, the problem is is uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, or. Uh, um, uh, everybody who d opposes them is automatically bad and needs to be scapegoated. And I think the problem is that um, that people are susceptible to that naturally because uh, because we don't see a way forward. We don't see an alternative. Um, what is the alternative to 
to scapegoating. Uh, it's seeing what uh, the real causes of what's going on are and countering those causes. Um, I think that um, a government, our government is corrupted by a tsunami of, of money right now. We need to get the money out and get the people's voices back in, and then we can do things. I mean, if we have a trifecta in this state, we can ensure uh, health care for all. We can uh, create some kind of subsidization or system that makes it possible for people to find child care. People can't afford child care right now. We can make educational opportunities, which used to be a way in which uh, people advance themselves, but it's not even available to a lot of people now. Um, and um, we can do so much to just make living decent for everybody. And uh, But we need to uh, show people the way, show people that that's possible, because I think people have lost their faith that there is a way forward and are just venting their anger. Right. And um, so emotions are contagious. You can actually catch emotions. I mean, that's a headline of a story in Psychology Today. So we know that there's these emotions. And you're right, there's all these dominant stories out there, and we're just feeling all these emotions. But you want to do this because there's another thing that's also living and brewing and emerging at the same time, and that's democracy and people power. Right. Um, there's a really good book out right now, if you don't mind my mentioning it. It's called uh, Dirt Road Revival, How to Rebuild Democracy in, in the Rural Areas and, and why, our, why Our Life Depends on It. And it's by a woman named Chloe Maxman. She's young, uh, got a big head of hair and interesting, and she went to Harvard with somebody who also came from a rural area. She was from Maine, and he was from North Carolina, and she persuaded him a couple years after that to uh, come up to Maine and be her campaign manager in the most rural district in the most rural state and unseated a Republican by like 150 votes, but they they had to, like, no, we can't do it the way that the Democrats have always done. The Democrats have always ignored certain people. No, we're never going to get their votes. But uh, they created a, a speed of corps. They got volunteers to be involved and felt like they belonged, and they built that teamwork and talked to a lot of voters, and that's the most important thing. One-on-one -on -one conversations with voters, people out there listening might hate that, but th that's far and away the most important thing. Uh, after that are phone banks, and then after that are postcarding. But we need more people out there, and part of it is making it fun for people. And there are places where they don't do it and make fun, but uh, but if you look at that book and they kind of give lessons, like this is how we did it and this is how you can do it. And I, I took a lot away from that book. So, And the campaigns that I'm working on now, I'm, maybe we can talk about that later, actually live that out. And that's why I keep going back to volunteer for them and I want to invite more people to join me. Wonderful. We're getting into those details. But as we were talking about the show, the, the phrase politics of belonging just popped up in the conversation. And I really found that as such a powerful word to think about. You know, we are, we belong. We belong to democracy. We belong to each other. How do we walk, wake up and have a people power hour? Now we're going to take a break and we come back. We're going to do a deep dive on what campaigns, how do we flip the Minnesota Senate? You're listening to the first ever experiment on the people power hour.
So welcome back. Uh, we are um, doing an experimental, the first ever People Power Hour. Um, we're talking about um, activating our political voice and flipping the Minnesota Senate. And so, uh, Shay Hansen, tell us about um, why Why do you want to flip the Minnesota Senate? You said it a little bit earlier, but let's get to that again. Why, why do you want to flip the Minnesota Senate and then how? Well, um We've been experiencing a lot of uh, obstruction, frankly, on the part of the Republicans. Um, and uh, so that keeps us, uh, restricts us for, from passing legislation that would show people a way forward, ways that we can really improve life and solve the very real problems that we're facing. Uh, uh, but uh, a trifecta, as long as we keep the House um, the Democrats have the House right now, and if we uh, can get a majority in the Senate, um, that will help keep the House also because it's, you know, on the same ballots, on the same ticket. Uh, but um, uh, it's in order to uh, take the, the Minnesota House, uh, Senate, um, we only need to pick up three seats. And I can outline, you know, yeah, which let's, those let's are. Let's do this. And, and again, kind of as a citizen person, you just took a deep dive into these numbers. So, what have you learned? Well, um, let me let me talk a little bit, just not to not throw a whole bunch of numbers at you. Let's start with a few stories about kind of what happened because I think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I may be geeky on this, but. Um, for instance, uh, it's uh, interesting to note that uh, there were two senators, uh, current incumbents, that were elected as Democrats in 2020, but right after the election um, uh, flipped and declared themselves independent, but caucusing with the Republicans because they were given chairmanships. And, um, of course, the Democrats felt a little betrayed uh, what happened is kind of tragic. Thomasoni, who is the senator from Duluth, um, was diagnosed with ALS, and so is withdrawing. Um, Bach, um, I don't know what he—well, he says he wants to do more fishing with his grandchildren, um, which I can understand. But he may have taken a look at the numbers and said it's not worth it. Not worth it. And if if those two Democrats didn't switch to independence, then we would have had the trifecta. We would have had the. No, we still would have been one seat down. Yeah, one seat down, but pretty close. Yeah. Um, So so that is what happened in uh, those two Senate seats. Bach and Thomasoni are both out. Um, The seat, uh, Thomasoni is Duluth. That's a very blue seat. It's very likely that we will pick that up then. Um, so another interesting detail is um, Senator Kiffmeyer, um, who chaired the elections committee and wasn't really a frustration to us. We used to say that's where um, voting rights bills went to die was in her committee. She got redistricted out of her own district. Uh, the line she went, she was in one district when she went to bed, and the next day um, she was in another one. So she withdraw, withdrew, and um, that leaves her her old district open. So that's kind of that's kind of interesting. Um, uh, l- uh, let me let me. Uh, 
I, I'm Maybe not I can a, chime in, too, yeah, because yeah, uh, it's, it's the fifth time, five decades in a row, the state legislature hasn't been able to come up with an agreement on new maps with the governor, and so the judicial panel has done it. So we've had sort of a quasi-non-political uh, commission do our redistricting, and, but, um, you know, they, they claim to do they had they had quite a few public hearings and they heard from different stakeholders and for example up in the north central part of minnesota they did pay attention to the american indian reservations there and so they get to uh, express more of their power um and uh, state legislative races up there but some you know some uh strange things happened and along the fringe of the suburbs and uh and different pairings, like Melissa lopez Franson, the, the Senate uh, Democratic leader, got paired with another DFL senator. She's from Edina. He's from St. Louis Park. And she elected to uh, uh, fade away temporarily. But so, yeah, there's a lot of these musical chairs. But uh, after the dust settled, things are pretty clear. Some seats got a lot easier. Some seats got slightly harder. And so we have to be strategic about where we invest our outside the district support, and, and these districts do need outside support. Let me talk about Rochester, which I think is a very interesting situation. Uh, in 2011 um, redistricting, um, Rochester was divided into two districts, north and south, uh, the top and the bottom half. Uh, I guess the Democrats kind of agreed to that, I've heard, because they thought Rochester deserved two districts. But what happened was that each half got attached to a large rural district, and the Democrats lost by a small margin, but they lost both districts. Now, with this redistricting, what happened is the top half uh, got to comprise the major part of the very urban part of Rochester, which is heavy blue. It's I mean, we cannot take anything for granted, but it's like a gift to the Democrats, pretty much. But the bottom half uh, got uh, attached to a rural district, and the numbers went down. Now, um, however, Alita Borag, who ran in 2020 and lost by a small margin, has taken on that challenge. And... Um, and that's kind of exciting. And there's a lot of energy going into her campaign. It's like, could she really do it? You know? And um, I'll so just give you one anecdote. I've, that's the campaign I go down to help with. Uh, and there's other people working uh, as outside organizations. But I did the Hayfield Parade. And Hayfield celebrated their 150th anniversary. And the Democrats, including uh, uh, Alita Borut, who ran last time, and we worked a lot for her. She lost by 900 votes. But the Democrats also now have an interesting story in Keith McLean running for the rural west side where he's from. Um, but all of us, there's like 35 of us having a good time in our, in our T-shirts. And <laughs> Dwayne Quam, the in incumbent uh, Republican who's pretty negative in a lot of people's eyes and not well-loved in his own area, he had four people. And Carla Nelson had four people. And so there's a lot more joy and camaraderie uh, uh, with the Democrats in Hayfield. So places like that can actually uh, turn around. And so I'm so that's an interesting story about the western part. Another thing I learned is that Dodge County is one of the fastest growing counties in the state. Mm -hmm. There's bedroom communities of Rochester there, then there's ag industry. Uh, so it's a kind of an interesting place to, to, to be. So I know I want to get back to the um, going into the details about redistricting, but I think that's so awesome that you drive down to Hayfield to support Democrats in other parts of the state. 
And so I and we want to talk about that. I'm glad you find fun in that. But let's keep going on your deep well, dive. Just one more thing that might be helpful to people to understand what happened in what is now District 45. Uh, this uh, uh, incumbent um, Ann Johnson Stewart. Uh, her district was expanded from the east side of uh, Lake Minnetonka all the way over to Mound, um, and what that did was it took the top half of uh, Senator Ogmek's district off, and that was the red part. So when he looked, so he found himself in a very blue district and withdrew, um, leaving um, Johnson. Uh, and but now. Um, Morrison has uh, declared in that district challenging uh, Ann Stewart Johnson. So we're going to take a break, and we're going to—we're talking about redistricting, taking the Minnesota Senate, activating democracy on the ground with people, with people power. So you're listening to the first ever People Power Hour, and uh, uh, thank you for listening. This is Laura Hedlund, and we are uh, talking with Shay Hansen and Jeff Patola about people power. And we're now taking a deep dive into um, redistricting. So what is the path for the Democrats to take the Minnesota Senate? Okay, I will uh, point to eight different districts where there are possibilities. Now, to understand this, um, what the Supreme Court Commission was dealing with was a lot of movement from... Uh, uh, the uh, out rural areas in Minnesota to the urban areas. So what that meant was that the the urban districts had to shrink because w- all, the districts have to maintain a certain equality, all the same, basically the same number. They get a little variation, and uh, then the uh, rural districts had to uh, expand. So how were they going to do that? The the Supreme Court likes to leave the power structure as it was as much as possible. That was difficult uh, in this situation because so much population coming into the urban areas and that population is more Democrat. They don't want to get accused of making policy by, by making lines where it will help one side or another. But nevertheless, they did leave the districts um, with uh, uh, advantages for Democrats. And I'll outline some of what the those districts are. There's a whole swath across the northern uh, suburbs, um, and those districts include um, District 33. Um, Nancy McLean is running. That's uh, Karen Housley's district. I'm having to refer to my computer because I'm not a numbers person. I don't have this all memorized. uh, District 30, 33, uh, that is, um, uh, in case anybody wants to know, that's White Bear, basically. Um, uh, District 36, uh, Democrat Heather Gustafson is challenging Republican incumbent Chamberlain. Um, uh, District 37, um, Afario Khalif is challenging incumbent Warren Limmer. She received the endorsement from DFL, uh, but this is her first run. So, you know, we're, she's going to be needing a lot of help. Uh, in District 35, um, this is Coon Rapids, uh, Republican incumbent Abler. 
Democratic Kerry Rarer is challenging him. And in all those cases, the, uh, you know, these, the, the data, the numbers of Democrats and Republicans in the new districts can be computed because that's known down to the precinct level. In all those districts, the Democrats came out with a lead. Not a big enough lead that we can just sit back and, you know, and applaud as it happens, but a lead that says, if we want to get out and do the work, we can have this. It's there. We can have it. Um, and so that's really why I want to come on the air is make people aware because people don't know. And then they say, oh, no. the Democrats are going to lose. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, you know, um, not if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> you know, and I love that. Like one of the things I didn't realize is that it's really important for us to hang on to areas like Blaine. And so so, um, so tell us again um, – uh, so there's 67 Senate districts. 31 are considered safe for Democrats. We need to pick up three. So how do we do that? Well, there are these. So what I'm saying is that we get out and help um, with in these four districts. There are another four districts which are maybe not as as sharp a contrast, um, an improvement for the Democrats, but they're also. Very good. So one of those would be District Three, which is Box District. Right now, he's he's pulled out. Um, I don't know who is running in it, but but uh, I know what the numbers are. The numbers are Republican uh, .4904 to Democrat .4898. Those are three. <laughs> They're very close. That's it. Let's let's briefly talk about this, um, Jeff, too, because Iron Range used to be deep, deep, deep blue. Uh, Finns was part of that too, <laughs> right, and I know you're right. finished too. But but right. but that shift, and 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 so, how do we support a return to? Yeah, I mean, that, it is kind of interesting. My mom grew up on a homestead farm. I think there might have been some communists in the family there, and then the Finns actually were per- persecuted race, if you want to call it that. They mm. couldn't play in the same place as other people played, even though they had the same colored skin. Um, but And they were union rabble-rousers. And so, it's, yeah, it's strange how unionism became something more for the right wing, but the right wing has actually depleted union power. So, it, yeah, so the, the, the northern part of the state's kind of a interesting thing. I think it's the the metro fringe uh, where we have the opportunity where the rural and the urban kind of overlap. And the strange thing about um, uh, single member districts uh, uh, with winner take all is that it's difficult to find that fair representation. That's why after we save democracy, uh, electing Democrats instead of Republicans, because one wants democracy, the other one wants something terrible. Uh, there's a lot of need for major structural reform in our democracy, and we're not going to get it if we have people like Republican Kiffmeyer in the state Senate. And so multi-member districts is something that I'm going to be uh, working on after this election, but we got to get uh, Democrats elected first. And it's because we, we have this purple blue thing and only a few swing districts where everything matters everything else is safe so republicans don't get representation in minneapolis and democrats don't get representation in stearns county or whatever so it's a weird thing well so, but and we is it really is it really is, right is, is it really even democracy i mean we want to have democracy where we're actually sharing ideas and having mm-hmm. these feelings about these different places and so shay i know you want to say a lot more about the map and where can people 
put their attentions? How should people find their place? Well, um, it's always possible to Google uh, uh, the name of a candidate that you want to get, whose ca- campaign you want to get involved in, and um, go to their website and sign up and donate or whatever. That's always a possibility. Um, there are also, however, I want to uh, present, and I think next week we will present um, s- groups who are offering. Uh, other kinds of activities that people can choose um, uh, all the way f- because um, some people may be more interested in single issues like uh, the gun issue or uh, um, right to choose uh, and this kind of thing. So we can present some of those options also. Um, w- uh, but, um, yeah, and also, like, I wonder if it would be possible to put a link to um, – to this report that I put together so that if people wanted to review this data and see what's going on, they would be able to have a way to look, you know, find their way to it. Yeah, let's find a place. Now, for temporarily, I can put it on Food Freedom Radio, but it'd be wonderful for us to find a, another place for a link, too. But so because, uh, again, what I, what I love about this approach of the two of you, it's like, I just want to make a difference. And this is what I think I can do. And just, you know, acting on the values Um, But I think somebody who is listening to this right now might think, okay, so where should I plug in? Should I be going to Rochester, those northern suburbs, or where where do you see as the most success, the the ways that we, where do you think we need to be focused on to flip the Minnesota Senate? Um, Well, I think we need to keep these eight districts in mind. Uh, There are also districts that we need to protect, for instance, St. Cloud. Uh, is um, the uh, de- Democrat senator w- snuck in there by a very small margin, and he has his numbers have improved a little bit because of redistricting. But it's a tight race, and it's going to be a big fight. And I, I don't know. I um, uh, tend to get a little attached to one district or another, you know, because maybe I know the candidate or I know some of the people who are involved. But uh, I, the first thing to start to do would be to start with where you're at, uh, where, where you live, your residence. If you're in Rochester, hey, uh, join Jeff and get into that fight. That's really a fun one going on. Um, if you're in St. Cloud, um, we need to protect that area. Uh, if you're in Duluth, um, let's take that seat back. Um, but uh, uh, and it may depend also on what kind of activities are going on. There's a lot of emphasis on door knocking now. Um, we weren't able to do that in 2020 because of the uh, pandemic, and um, people thought we really suffered because of that. Because there's just no substitute for getting out and talking to people, and um, you know, and giving them information like, uh, n- no, uh, inflation is not Biden's fault, you know, <laughs> but uh, countering some of the, the negative uh, information they're getting. Um, so depending on what kind of um, activity you went, and then there's writing postcards, and I will I can talk about now something that's going, just happened, Um an organization called Vote Forward is uh, does nationwide into battleground states, um, um, assisting in this program for people to write letters and send letters to um, 
um, underrepresented voters in various states. They have a nationwide program for that. But they also do a lot of testing. They have like a laboratory system where they're finding out what's effective, blah, blah, blah. And they've just made a decision to um, uh, start one of their laboratory tests in CD1, which is the district at the bottom of our state uh, where the incumbent died in office. And so there's a special election, August 9th. That is also the same date as of the primary in this state. Um, and you can already, early voting has started for that. But um, so they are um, uh, uh, supporting a crusade to get people to write to um, the letters in the first district, underrepresented voters, and helping them to test out different theories. And um, But it's an opportunity to get a massive amount of contact with voters in the first district. And that district in 2020 was lost by very few votes also. I mean, people talk about, oh, it's a red district. Wait a minute, that's the district walls came from. How could it be red? Well, you know, so we got to come to this. But anyway, anybody who wants to get involved in that campaign in CD1, um, that uh, you need to uh, sign up with Vote Forward. And I can give you the um, the website for that. I've got it written down someplace. I'll find it. Sure. And and there's uh, anything you want to jump in here? Right. Um, and so there's a variety of organizations. I think we're going to hear from somebody uh, that uh, I, I got my start in this with Sister District Project, a national organization founded by four women in California. And they realized we live in a deep blue area. We need to help in the purple areas. And Minnesota was one of those areas. And uh, I helped uh, form a Minnesota team with, with them. But this year, they're not uh, supporting Minnesota candidates. Last time, they supported three. We won one and lost a couple by 900 votes, including Alita Borud. Um, but I'm sort of freelancing this year. And so I was looking for an opportunity. And one group, uh, I think it's a, a, a affiliate of Isaiah, uh, uh, Faith in Action Minnesota is one. And, and so you can look out for groups like that. But others are just sort of informal groupings of people just uh, people yeah. just people just find your place there's a lot of places to find and and that's part of what democracy is is grassroots you find your own spot it's not necessarily top down here's how we march i mean there's a saying that cats that democrats are like hurting cats and it's like well that's all right we're the jazzy cats so so you're listening to people power hour and we're going to be talking to julie morgan next hey jude don't make it bad Welcome better to our first um, People Power Hour. In studio is Shay Hansen and Jeff Patola. And uh, Shay, you're going to introduce the person by phone, Julie. Right. I was really specifically wanted to try to get Julie Morgan to come into the show and talk about her group because I, I'm always inspired by them. When Trump happened and um, they saw that something needed to be done, they didn't sit around waiting for somebody to come and organize them. They got their friends and their neighbors and they uh, got everybody together and they started a group and they got a focus and, and they have fun. I, lo- you know, I love their spirit. Um, they do things together and, you know, in a way... With all the despair and the betrayal we feel, coming together is the only antidote to that. And they have pulled it off so well. So, Julie, tell us about your organization. 
I'm part of the Linden Hills Fulton Political Action Group. And that's a bit of a misnomer because I'm in Plymouth, and one of our um, other members is in Golden Valley. So we've expanded our scope from the original group that was really focused on Minneapolis issues and candidates to broader statewide issues and candidates. So our group meets on a monthly basis. We were meeting in person um, before COVID, but now we meet by Zoom. And we have a rough agenda, so um, we will bring different ideas together. So if there's a topic that you're interested in or something has really caught your attention, uh, we'll bring it to the group and talk about what it is, um, some background on it, and what we as a group might be able to do to influence it. We've really grown a lot, I think, um, as a group because we bring some very different perspectives. We don't always agree, but what we find is that we respect each other's opinions and we have really good conversations. And so that keeps the energy up um, that every month we get together and um, just make sure that we're talking and that we're thinking about what we can do as a group. And if someone comes in a little depressed because the news has been really bad, the rest of the group kind of bumps them up. So it's a, it's a great way to keep the energy up. So when, um, as Shay said, we got formal um, during the Trump administration when a lot of us were just kind of wondering what it was we could do. And so we got together and we started um, volunteering to do letters through Vote Forward and postcards to swing states and just starting out kind of on that level. And then we decided that we should get involved in a campaign. And we decided that we would focus on Dean Phillips' campaign out here. And so we wrote postcards, we did phone banking, um, we door knocked, uh, we had lawn signs, we wore our Dean Phillips T-shirts to parades, um, and it was really fun. Um, We tended to sign up for phone banking together, and so we'd go and get our coffee and go over to the office and do our phone banking and share stories, you know, oh, I got hung up on, or here's an argument I used with this person, or gee, I had a really good one. So it made phone banking really fun. Um, Then we decided that we would start looking at Minnesota candidates, specifically at at our state level, and we got involved with Ann Johnson Stewart's campaign. And at that point, COVID had kind of hit, and so everything was virtual. So we were phone banking on Saturday mornings kind of via Zoom, um, we were, again, writing out postcards and putting lawn signs up and supporting Ann on a virtual basis. So when Ann decided not to run, as Jay said, with the redistricting, we've thrown our support to Kelly Morrison. And so we've just started helping out with her campaign. Um, we've written out 300 postcards so far um, to help her get some word out about town hall she's, she's having. Um, and so we'll continue to work with her campaign and expand the way that we're working with her. So some of the people in the group really enjoy door knocking, and not everyone does. Um, some of the group enjoys phone banking, and not everyone does. But that's part of the, the beauty, I think, of being in a group is that we bring our skills together. So when we volunteer for a campaign, we really can offer the group up to cover a number of their needs, and we have fun doing it. And that's the one thing you wanted to really say in this thing is let's have fun. I mean, there's so much negative news and that, that having that spirit of camaraderie. Like you said, you, Shay, you, you thought that we inherited this democracy 
from our parents. Let's honor them and honor the future generations by strengthening core democracy. Absolutely. And um, unless we think we're going to fail, it it really ought to be a happy endeavor because uh, going forward and improving the world, we've we've lived... um, I'm 78 years old now, and I've spent most of that time wishing the world were better. I'm a little bit ready for it to be better now. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get busy and make it happen. And uh, 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 my daughter came home from school one time years ago and said, Mom, I think only happy people should change the world. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That is, I, that is so. Let's let's be happy because, and that was actually tied into the guest I had last week, uh, Jim Embry, Joy and Justice. Um, that justice and and, and the justice that that happiness that energizing energy. I mean, we got marriage rights and civil rights. It was full of that 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 um, empathy, right? And people at, at door knock. The thing that I try to do is like. Come with me to Doorknock. You can just walk and carry the literature or something like that. And and you'll find that the best door knockers are the ones that talk the least and listen the most. You don't have to be an expert on the issues. You don't have to know your candidate, you know, backwards and forwards. Get a little uh, groove going where you ask about the dog or the nice flowers. Then you start asking about, you ask questions and you listen. And then you put a good feeling in that person, and that's what starts to spread. So um, I don't know if Julie has any uh, uh, stories about that. But. Right, and we're down, unfortunately, last minute. So, mm-hmm. Julie, did you want to pop in quickly? And The only thing that I, I would 100% back up what Jeff just said, um, when I first started door knocking, it made me very nervous. I'm an introvert. I tend to be an introvert. Um, but like you said, you you go to a couple and you have just a regular conversation, and pretty soon it gets easy. So I would encourage people who have never door knocked and think they wouldn't like to do it to get a pal like Jeff and to go out and learn how to do it because it can be fun. Shay, last minute, unfortunately, yeah. for our first people of Power Hour. What else would you like to say? Uh, well, I just uh, I hope that uh, uh, people will. Um, come out and uh, let's get together. Let's all get together and uh, make happy things, make good things happen. Um, I, 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 you know, nobody's coming to save us. <laughs> In case anybody thought, you know, anybody's still hoping that, I, I hope that it would be nice too, but Wonder Woman is now living in Holly, in in Beverly Hills in a big mansion. She's not concerned about us. So we're going to have power. to do it. We are the ones we're waiting for, right? It's people power. Um, so thank you so much, Shay Hansen and uh, Jeff Patola, and uh, thank you, Julie Morgan, and people power. This this is an experiment. Let's 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 engage democracy. Activation. Awesome.